Hey, welcome to Dive Deep, the official podcast of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. I'm your host, Andrew Hansen, where we dive deep into our faith, explore those interesting Catholic questions and issues. Our first podcast, why does God allow bad things to happen, evil to happen, natural disasters to happen? So we thought we'd bring in Father Chris House. He is rector of the Cathedral of Immaculate Conception. He's chancellor of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. He's a canon lawyer. What else are you? Is that enough titles already? Uh, it's enough, I think. You got another one, though, don't you? A judicial vicar. <laughs> yes. Oh. Does, does Rome just throw out titles, pretty much? Do no, I, no, it's no. Do it's I have to call, do I have to call you Lord now? Um, no. <laughs> but we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Father House. So let's get right to the chase. We'll explore a lot of the issues surrounding this uh, this uh, this question as we, our conversation uh, goes on. But let's, let's just start with the beginning. You know, we think of God all loving, uh, but why does God allow bad things to happen? Why does God allow evil to happen? Well, the premise that you just say there, that yes, God is all loving. That is, that's a very simple yet very profound truth. And God made the world in love. He made us in his image and likeness. He made creation to be good. A lot of people try to use, have used throughout the years this premise that, well, if God is all loving, if God is good, there cannot be evil in the world. There is evil in the world, therefore either God cannot be all good and all loving or there simply cannot be a God. We don't accept that. The reality is is that, like I said, God created the world to be good. The problem is that he gave us freedom. As soon as freedom, as we know the story from Genesis, we're given freedom Sin enters the world behind that. We chose to step away from that full and true and intimate relationship with God. And when sin entered the world, evil entered the world, and so God's plan was disrupted. Now, I think a lot of people can, can see the, the concept of our free will and how, you know, how evil obviously stems from that. Where I struggle with is natural disasters, where it is not me actually doing something on my free will to harm others or harm myself, sin in that sense, but natural disasters. So why would God allow a natural disaster to happen that is not of anyone's own free will that can cause evil? Well, but remember, though, sin and evil have corrupted all the creation, not just humanity, not just the human race. So the fact that sin and evil enter the world, all of creation has suffered because of that. All of creation has been corrupted because of that. And as the scriptures tell us, all creation, though, awaits its redemption. So not just human beings, but the entire order of creation is disrupted because of the reality of evil and sin. So Mother Nature is, Mother Nature is not really... Of, I'm not going to say of God, but but at the same token, he's not, you know, God, from our perspective, it seems like God can kind of control Mother Nature because we don't control Mother Nature. Right. So how in that sense does it, um, again, I still get back to the frustrating aspect of if a tornado or earthquake, hurricane can wipe out a civilization, cause complete hardship, you know, perhaps more sin, perhaps people falling away from the church uh, over their, you know, just what, what happened to them, why would God do something like that? Since he is actually in, he has the controls of Mother Nature, something we don't have. We have to be very careful about your language, though. 
why does God do versus why does God allow? Two different realities. So you have the active will of God, you have the permissive will of God. Does God make tornadoes happen? We would say no, God does not make them happen. Does God allow them? Yes. He allows nature in its, we might argue, disordered ways to go about. At the same time, though, we have to remember that God also wills good to come from evil situations. So, yes, there is bad in the world. There is suffering. There is the problem of evil. We don't have a God who simply shrugs his shoulders and says, how unfortunate. God still gives us grace to counter that. Uh, God calls us, challenges us to work against evil, to live in a way that reflects his goodness and his love, to be a force for good, to counteract that, that by living good and holy lives, we can be a remedy for the evils in the world. And being a part of that, making a new creation, which God has done in all of us through our baptism, but that work is ongoing. And the work of renewing the face of the earth, which is the constant work of the Holy Spirit, is always ongoing in the face of evil, in the face of human suffering, in the face of sin. So God is doing his part. He invites us to do our part as well. I think a lot of us can definitely accept the reality of when something bad happens, that can be a cause for good. Someone may be coming back to the faith or, you know, a slap in the reality to, you know, that one day, you know, we can perish. On the flip side, though, considering God's will is for us to be with him in heaven, um, what about those situations where a tragedy happens and the direct result of that tragedy actually causes someone to say, I completely fall away from the faith? How in, how in that is, was that a, you know, if God is always working um, in that situation, how could that be a good if a tragedy that I'll go back to a natural disaster that is not caused by any any singular person. That person falls away. Well, the reality is these things are hard. They're difficult. Um, there's no sure answer for this question, which has plagued men and women since the beginning of time. The reality is, at times, though, one of the things is to kind of counteract or to be need to be proactive about that is to, this is why we need to come to know God for who God is, not for who we want God to be or who we think God should be. To come to know who he is and how he loves us, how he made us, and how he works. While God is a mystery, he still invites us to know him in as much as we can as human beings. He invites us to know him in his divinity, in the ways in which he works, in the life that he's calling us to. The more that we come to know God, that will increase our faith. Faith then leads to an increase in hope. The most faithful people, the most hopeful people, don't always have an answer to every question. Um, The most faithful person can still at times look toward the heavens and shrug their shoulders and say, I don't understand, but I trust. And so, yes, it is very possible for someone to, in the face of evil, to lose faith, to want to doubt, all the more reason for us to seek any and every opportunity to grow in God's grace, to grow in relationship with him. Because yes, there are going to be things that we don't understand, that we will have to wait until heaven. Well, at that point, though, I 
will very much say we won't care <laughs> because those questions will pass away at that point. But, you know, sometimes we just have to trust. Will we know? Do you think we'll know all the answers when we get to heaven? It won't matter. I know, but from a curiosity perspective. Well, no matter what, God will always be creator. We will always be creature. We will never achieve that same status. So, I, but it's, I mean, it's, that is a question from an earthly vantage point, from a heavenly vantage point. It won't matter. You won't care. And coming face to face with God, standing in the beatific vision, all those questions we have right now, the things that we're just dying to ask, all that will, will slip away. My biggest thing is when you lose things, ever happened to you where you just lose things, you're like, I could have sworn I left it right there. Those are the things when I get to heaven, hopefully, I'm like, God, where the heck did I put that thing? Well, I, I, I promise <laughs> you, you're not going to worry about that. So I want to get back to free will. So I, I think, you know, most Catholics can understand the concept of free will and, and, you know, of course, how that all works out and evil and sin comes from that. One of my friends who's not Catholic, I thought brought up, an interesting question that, is it really free will considering God already knows what we're going to decide and what to do? And he put us in this certain place, this certain time. He created us for this certain you know, time in, of, of, of creation. So is free will, is it actually truly free will considering he has already knows what we're going to do? Right. It is. Um, this is one of the challenges, too. This is, uh, sometimes I say we have to put our minds kind of on like the theological taffy pole and be stretched and stretched because we live in a certain plane of existence. We exist in time. We have a present, we have a past, we have a future. Space and time are creatures. They're made by God. Space and time, um, God is beyond both of them. He exists beyond them. For God, there is simply an eternal reality. So we can say that God has no past, God has no future, God simply is. So all things are present to him. So all of creation, from the very beginning to the very end, and everything in between, all that is present to God. He sees it all. Does that affect the notion of free will? No, because God is not a puppet master. He's not pulling the strings. He still gives you, he still gives me, the opportunity to say yes or no each day in our lives. Let me come at it from a parent's perspective. If if God knows that if I put Andrew here, I know he's going to sin. I know that. And because his will is for me to be with him in heaven forever, why would he even put me in that situation to begin with when he created me and, and knew the path of my life? Much like as a parent, if I know my son, if I if he hangs out, if I put him in this situation or do that, something bad's going to happen. I will do everything in my power to say, I'm not going to drive you to that party because you know bad things could happen there. I am, as a parent, I'm not going to put him in that. I have the ability to put him not in that situation. Likewise here with God. Right. The challenge, once again, is we're, we're, we think of this from a human perspective instead of from a divine or a metaphysical perspective. God is not going to will for us to sin. That is contrary to his nature. God gives us freedom. God allows us to be put in situations that can help us to grow, that can help us to grow in grace, that can help us to grow in discipline. You may put a child in a situation where you know they're going to be tempted to do the wrong, but doesn't mean they will. Now, you or I, we're not omniscient. 
all time is not omnipresent to us. So we don't exactly know it. Yes, does God know it? Yes, God knows. But this is the challenge. We, our vocabulary is limited. We're talking from a human perspective about a divine reality, about divine attributes. So we're limited in that. It stretches our minds. It frustrates us because we can't always fully get around it. So does God know? Yes, he knows. Is God willing us to sin? No, he's not. Does God actively tempt us? We would say no. Does God allow for us to be tempted? Yes. Do you think we, re- we misuse the phrase God's will when, when tragedy happens or, you know, pick whatever situation happens. We say, um, you know, it's, it's God's will. Well, it's a, it's a simple way of trying to explain something that we don't have an explanation for. And there is truth in that. But like I said earlier, Yes, God's will. God has an active will. God has a permissive will. Because it's not, it's not God's will for the two-year-old baby to get leukemia and no. pass away. So for, us, no. so for us to say if you know, that situation happens, to throw, throw the phrase out of, you know, it's God's will, right. we're actually, that's not a good way of putting it. Well, like I said, it, it depends on what you mean. Does God directly will suffering and death? No. Does God will for the two-year-old to get sick and to suffer or to die? No, God doesn't will that. Does he allow it? Yes. Is that frustrating for us? Can that be heart-wrenching? Can that test our faith? Absolutely, that God would even allow it. But God does allow things to invite us into deeper relationship with him, to trust in him, to be open to his grace, and to also become forces for good. To, to reach out to others in times like that, various things like that. So one of those cases where, yes, there is evil, but God can still counteract that with good. You're kind of in the arena we're talking about right now with, with tragedy and hardships. Let's talk about prayer for a little bit. Can God change his mind when it comes to prayer? You no, know, that's a great theological. <laughs> there, there actually was, um, for the Feast of St. Monica, so Monica is St. Augustine's mom, and Augustine was... St. Augustine was... Um, if St. Augustine could become a saint, anybody could become a <laughs> saint. But that's good news because Augustine lived a very, um, what we'd say, a riotous life as a youth. Good so, way of uh, it. Yeah. And he Gambling, grew, sex, the whole yeah, nine. Yeah, that was... Augustine was... Kind, yeah, he um, had... Frivolous spent, life. Yes, all that. So, um, and tradition tells us that Monica wept and wept and wept over Augustine. Was it for like 30 years? Yes, for a long time. And um, I don't know what the current prayer is in the Missal since the new translation, but it used to say that, Lord, you were moved by the tears of Monica. And that was kind of a theologically dubious point, was the whole thing, can God be moved? Because, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that God is the unmoved mover. Now, that's also because he's the, he's the primary cause of all things. But can, can God be moved? Um, that's a debated point. Uh, but the, the whole thing is, why do we pray? Yes, we, we, we pray, we bring our needs and our wants and our hopes and all these things before God. But there's an old saying that says, you know, I don't pray to change God. I pray because prayer changes me. And that's the beauty and part of the value of prayer is that prayer is communication with God. Prayer is about being in relationship with him. And when we go to God with our needs, our hopes, our wants, our fears, whatever it may be, 
hopefully we're also going to God to praise him and to give him thanks. But many times we go to him and he wants us to come to him in, for whatever reason. But when we come to him and we enter into dialogue and into relationship with him, he's always going to hear us. He may not answer our prayer in the way we want, but he will still answer it. He will give us grace. If we do not find that he is going to answer the prayer in the way we want to, though, he will offer us grace if we choose to accept it and to use it to accept however things will play out. So no prayer is ever unheard or unheeded. God responds to each and every prayer. God will always bestow the grace that's needed. It may not be the grace that's wanted, but God will always give the grace that is needed. Well, I think that's an interesting point because I think far too much in our society, we pray, and if what we want to happen happens, our answer, we say, God heard my prayers. Mm -hmm. God sometimes says, no, but that's an answer. You know, if you ask me a question, you say, answer me. And I say, no, well, I've answered your question. It may not be the way you wanted it, but I think we sometimes get, we caught, we get caught up in that is an answer is only when what we want to happen right. happens. Exactly. Um, I heard one priest talk about when it comes to, can God change his mind? That the answer is no, because God is all knowing. And as you pointed out earlier in our conversation, time, you know, Time does not exist with God. So he sees all things at once. And so, um, because I I went to purchase some, I went to get mass intentions for some of my loved ones who passed away. And he said, well, when would would you like the mass to be said? And I said, "Ah, you know, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And he's like, actually, you're right. It doesn't matter because God sees the mass already. So it's not that if, you know, if if I go to the hospital because I get in a car accident and I'm on death's door and the whole community prays for me and then all of a sudden, boom, I come to and everyone says, oh, you know, a miracle happened. God heard our prayers. He changed his mind. God always knew that the community was going to rally. God always knew that prayer was going to happen. And God always knew that I was going to miraculously heal the few, put it, put it in quotes. So in that sense, it's not that God can change his mind. God already, already knew that was going to happen. Would that be fairly accurate how I portrayed it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, God has just, there's just the reality of God, all space, all time, all things are present to him. So, and it is frustrating for us at times because why is it God intervenes sometimes directly here, but he doesn't intervene there. It's not a question that my prayer wasn't good enough. My faith wasn't strong enough. There are some things that are mysterious. The reasons are known only to God. And that's where faith comes in. We're invited to trust and to hope that ultimately all things will work for his purposes. All things will work for our redemption. And it's up to us to cooperate with the grace that is given and to allow that grace to unfold and to guide us in our life so that we might reach our ultimate goal, our ultimate destiny, which is life with God in heaven. Father Chris House, thanks for coming in on Dive Deep. You're welcome. If you want more podcasts, go to dio.org slash podcast. We got lots more coming there. And we will see you next time here from the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois.